Excuse me. Well, it has been great. I always enjoy being here. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, if you would. Always enjoy being here at Solid Rock Baptist Church, and I uh, appreciate Brother Stein's friendship so very much, and then so many of you that uh, have gotten to know, if not by name, by face over the years, these last few years, and that's been a blessing. Your faithfulness in, is an encouragement to me. I know it is to your pastor, and uh, thank you for being so gracious to all the faithfulness and the choir and the special music. I have enjoyed all of it um, immensely, and uh, thank you for a really nice room. I've, uh, I've enjoyed staying there at the Crown Plaza and uh, tried to get some extra work done and tried to do some extra exercise, and uh, that's the only bad part about the week, but, uh, but I'm glad to be here tonight. I'm going to jump right into it. Um, we started on Wednesday night. We try to get our people in and out in an hour, and they seem to really appreciate that, so uh, let's see. It's uh, 7.20. I think we can make a stab at it. Um, I want to I wanna be a help. You know, it's hard. Uh, to come somewhere like this, and and I've got, you know, I keep all my sermons, and I, I've got hundreds of them, and and I've got some that I I'll, I'll preach almost everywhere I go. Well, I've been here so many times, I preached all those, and uh, so I had to work hard this week. And uh, I, I Monday I got to the office, and I went through a stack of sermons about this big, and. And prayed about what the Lord would have us do, and, and narrowed it down. And got I, I brought I don't know I probably brought twenty twenty five messages with me to the motel, and then you just you know you just ask the Lord, uh, God I don't know what people need. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to reveal that to me, and and uh, and He's faithful to do that, and I thank Him thank Him for that. Uh, tonight is uh, I've never preached this message anywhere except for our church, and it was. Uh, Good night, four years ago. So I don't know. I don't know what the Lord wants to do tonight. I really want you to leave here encouraged. And I have found that, uh, man, people are getting, they're getting to eat alive out in the world. And uh, people are discouraged and despondent. And tonight I would just like to encourage you a little bit about what, what, it, what it means to be a child of God and what it means to be saved and to be able to, I, I oftentimes when I pray, I'll, I'll say, Father, and then I'll stop and say, I just want to thank you. I can call you my Father. Can you imagine the God of heaven, the God that created everything we see in six literal days and has all these years has kept it all running? And by the way, he's never had a government shutdown. And, uh, and, and, and I get to call him Father. And, and it's not just a name. He is my Father. He's my Heavenly Father. And I'll oftentimes say, God, I just want to thank you. I get to call you my father. What a blessing. And, uh, you know, I know, I know what that means as a father. Uh, I know what that relationship means to me. And to think that God loves me that way and even more is such an encouragement. First Peter chapter 1, I, I'm not sure we fully understand just what it is we have when it comes to our eternal salvation. In First Peter chapter 1 and verse number 1, the Bible said, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit 
unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, listen to this, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Aren't you glad he lives tonight? And then it says in verse number 4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. I mean, it's already set. It's already set. I was booking a motel room the other day. And uh, the guy said, do you want to guarantee that for late arrival? And I thought about this verse. Many years ago, I won't take time to tell you all the story. We were trying to get to Indiana, to Hammond, for a youth conference. I was just a brand-new youth director. And we had a 1958 model GMC bus. When you broke down on that bus, you didn't go into advanced auto and get parts, Okay. We, we got from Durham to Greensboro, we broke down. We, we found a place, and they fixed it, and we drove from Greensboro to Lebanon, Indiana, and we broke down again. We were, it took us 48 hours to get from Durham, North Carolina to Hammond, Indiana. We sat in one spot for 24 hours. Guy came and got the generator off the bus, and he said, I'll be back in a little while. And I am not exaggerating, 18 hours later, he showed back up again. We called him, this, you know, we, there, this was back before cell phone. We called him, he wouldn't answer his phone. We, we, we got to Indiana, and uh, my, uh, there was a man older than I that was on our staff, and he went with us, he drove the bus. We got to Indiana, and we went in, and I said, we need to check in, man. We've been, now, we've been 48 hours, okay, 48 hours. Nasty, we were nasty. And uh, needed a shave and a hot shower. And I went in, and uh, you know what the guy said? We gave away your reservation. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you didn't show up last night, and we, we gave away your red reservation. Can I tell you this about that inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away? It's never going to be given away. It is reserved in heaven for you and I tonight. And Peter's trying to teach us something. Don't ever let anything cause you to lose sight of the value of eternal salvation. Now that doesn't mean that that the Christian life is without trouble. In verse number 6 we read, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, and we do and we should, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Hey, I'd rather be in the storm with Jesus than on the shore without him, wouldn't you? And he said, okay, I've given you this eternal salvation. He said, it's not always going to be easy, and we found that if you've been saved very long. You say, well, Brother Rick, somebody told me that if I would get saved, all my problems would be over. Well, they lied to you. They lied to you. The difference is now when I go through trouble, i got somebody to go through it with me. See, And so he's laying a foundation here. And then uh, he comes down to verse number 9. He said, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Look at verse number 10. 
of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So we know the prophets were looking ahead to salvation and they were predicting the cross and they were predicting that the Messiah would come. Now verse 12 is going to be our text verse. I want you to look there and we're going to get right into this. Look at verse 12. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Watch what it says at the end of the verse. Which things the angels desire to look into. Here's the title of the message. We have what angels want. We have what angels want. That phrase there, it says that they desire to look into. That, that, that phrase, look into, it literally means stooping down to get a closer peek. In, in other words, my dad has some street rods. He has three street rods and, and uh, I don't go to a lot, but I, I, I'm, I like cars and, and uh, I like to go to car shows. I was Saturday, I, w- I came across one there in our town, and I got out and walked around. And you know, you 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 walk out. One thing I learned because my daddy had those cars: you don't touch those cars, okay? You'll get your hands cut off. And uh, so I, I make it a habit when I'm walking around a car show to have my hands behind my back. But it's not unusual to find me looking in a window to see, you know, a lot of times I have the window looking in to see the interior or to see how everything's laid out or to see the instrument panel. That's what I thought about when I read that verse and that phrase that they stoop down. Here's what I get out of that. The angels of heaven are looking at what you and I already have and they're intrigued. Number one. Number one. The angels would like to experience our salvation. Now you understand, don't you, that angels are not saved. They didn't need to be saved. Angels are eternal beings. Angels were never lost. Do you ever just stop and think about how wonderful it is to be saved? There came a day in my life when I realized that I was lost and I understood how I faced an awful penalty and that the wages of my sin was death and that I stood condemned before God Almighty. And one day, one day, the glorious gospel made its way into my heart and life and I became a child of God. I'm so thankful tonight. I, you know, I, sometimes I think we just lose the joy of our salvation and, 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 and it just gets old to us. It says in verse number 12, By them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Hey, I'm glad. I'm glad I grew up under Holy Ghost preaching. I, I'm glad I was taught from a child the Holy Scriptures. I, I don't remember it, but I've been told that at three years of age, why I went to the church where I now pastor, and they were having a, 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 a revival meeting much like this, and it was Pack-a-Pew night. My mother's cousin had invited her to come, and that night, a little three-year-old boy holding on to his mommy's finger walking into that church service that night, and boy, that was the beginning of a wonderful, wonderful journey for me. 
Because from that day forward, I, I went to the preschool department of our church and the junior department of our church and went to vacation Bible school and later on started going to camps and teen camps and teen conferences and Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, I got to listen to old-fashioned Holy Ghost Bible preaching. Don't ever get past that. Don't ever get over that. Thank God tonight. Hey, my, God said to Paul, Paul said, Timothy, Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when men, when men will not endure sound doctrine, but will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Boy, we live in that day. You can turn on the television, turn on the radio, and there are a dime a dozen. Somebody who wants to teach you and scratch your ears and make you feel a little bit better and tell you what a wonderful person and how great today is going to be. And you just got to think positive thoughts. Man, let me tell you, somebody took me and scared the devil out of me through preaching. And then that wonderful day, September 15th, 1978, when I came to that knowledge and I, I put my faith and trust in Christ. And let me tell you what happened. There was rejoicing in the presence of angels the day I got saved, the same way there was the day you got saved. I think angels are intrigued by eternal salvation. I think angels, like at the, at the, at the rod run, angels look at salvation and say, man, that's... That's really, hey, have you ever been to a car show and you walked around and said, man, I wish I had one of those. Man, I like that. Man, that's nice. Do you, you know that angels look at what you have in your salvation and they say, I wonder what it would be like to experience salvation. Can I ask you a question? Have you one time today thanked God that you're saved? Old story. You've heard me tell it before, I'm sure. I grew up out in the country, and we had, uh, it's not country now. It's actually in the city limits, but when I was a kid, it was country, and we lived on the end of an old dirt road. And uh, all our dogs, and you've heard all my dog stories, but we, we, never, we, never, we never bought any dogs. What people would do is they would, they would come to the end of our road and they would throw out dogs that they didn't want anymore. We were the next to the last house on the road. And there was a place down on the river, down below us, probably about a half a mile. It was called the old pump station and it was a party place. Kids would go out there and, and drink and party and do immoral things. And it, it, was a, it, was a, it was kind of a hot spot, but it was also a spot where you dumped your dogs you didn't want anymore. And so those dogs would come up that gravel road and, and, and they would come up and, and we were the next to the last house. And I'm telling you, probably from the time I'm old enough to remember until I left to go to college, we probably got six or eight dogs that way. Every dog that ever came up that road had issues. There was never a thoroughbred that came up that road. No AKC-registered pups ever came up that road. They were mutts. They were Heinz 57 variety. They were Sooners. You know what a Sooner is, right? Just Sooner be one kind as the other. 
that's what that's all we ever had and 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 they would come and they all had the mange and I remember one day when that old red bone he was, he was probably the closest thing to a a purebred that ever came up that road and, and he come up that that road and my brother and I were out there playing ball or riding bikes or something and here comes this old red dog man he was a pitiful looking excuse for a dog let me tell you great big old long ears just about dragging the ground he was each slap up with mange and you could count every rib in his side he was starving to death he had been abused you could tell because anytime you moved quick he would spook and he would run and that dog came up in the yard my brother and I got him and got him to got down on our hands and knees and got him to come to us and and, and tried to let him know we were gonna we weren't gonna hurt him. And Daddy came out of the backyard and he said, "Got another one, huh?" And I said, "Yes, sir." He said, "He's eat up with the mange." He said, "Let's take him down there and put him in the oil." We had a big old uh, vat of burnt motor oil, and and uh, I know EPA wouldn't be happy about it, but Redbone appreciated it later on. I'm just saying. And he took that dog and he would hold him down all the way into up to his nose. And then he'd hold that dog in there and he'd say, y'all get out of the way. Say, why was that important? You stay close, you'll find out. He took that dog out and laid him down. Man, that dog went to running and shaking and oil went 95 different directions. But it cured the mange. We never put a chain on his neck. We never put a fence in the yard. We never had to do one thing. You couldn't run that dog off. I'd get up in the morning, he'd be laying at the back steps. I'd come in at night, he'd be laying at the back steps. And we didn't buy dog food, but we'd throw scraps at it if we had any, and he'd, he would eat. And, 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 you know, I've often thought, if you went to Redbone and you interviewed him and you said to him, can I ask you a question, sir? Why do you stay around here? I mean, good night, this million places you could be why do you stay why do you hang out right around here right don't you ever feel the urge to wander off don't you ever feel the urge to go do your own thing don't you ever feel the urge to go be your own big be a big dog go somewhere get a nice place and get some store-bought dog food let me tell you what Redbone would say sir you don't understand if you'd seen me when I came up that road If if you'd known how I'd been treated before I came here, if you'd known how my master before this man, if you'd known how he abused me and how he treated me, if you'd known how sick I was, if you'd seen the ribs in my side and known how long it'd been since I'd had anything to eat, if you'd known what a sorry excuse for a dog I was and I came here and, and these people cared for me and fed me and loved me and protected me, why would I ever want to go? Angels look at what you have tonight and they say, well, wouldn't it be something? Wouldn't it be something to have salvation like that? I believe angels, I believe they, they must be intrigued by our, they, they, they would love to experience my salvation. Number two, I thought about this, and I don't have a whole lot of Bible for this, but I, I think it's biblical. The angels would like to not only experience my salvation, but the angels would like to enroll in my sanctuary. You say, what are you talking about? I have to believe with all my heart that, that angels would love to be able to come to a revival meeting like this. 
I, I mean, I, 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 I thank God tonight. I, wanna, I just want to stop for a minute and just praise God for the church. One of, the greatest, one of God's greatest ideas outside of the home, outside of salvation and the home, one of God's greatest ideas was the local church. Man, I think about what a privilege it is. I pulled in the night in the parking lot and I thought, man, I love this. I, I can't believe I get to do this. I, I can't believe I, I get paid to do this. I do get paid to do this, right? And uh, I, I can't believe that, that, that I get to spend my life at, at the church. The Bible says the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. There ain't nothing like the church. There is no place like the church. I, I think about the psalmist who said, How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. I wish we could all. I, I feel sorry for God sometimes. We drag ourselves into church, and I'm not picking on you. You've been so faithful. And we plop ourselves down on the pew and fold our arms and act like we've done God a favor. Hey, we get to be a part of the church. I think angels... Man, I think, you say, well, you think they know what goes on? All right, let me ask you a question. Does the Bible not say that there's joy in the presence of the angels when a sinner repents? Well, how do they know if they ain't watching? I oftentimes tell people I'm not a theologian, but I got, I got common sense. And let me tell you, God's given you enough common sense and his spirit to help you understand that book right there. You don't need some Mr. Big Britches to teach. You just need to read your Bible and think about what you're reading. And God said that there's joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just persons that need no repentance. You know what I believe with all my heart? I believe on Sunday morning about 12 o'clock at our place and probably about that time here, God says, hey, y'all watch Solid Rock. Let me know what's going on. Hey, y'all watch Fellowship. Let me know what's going on. Brother, Brother Rick's getting ready to give the invitation. I just, hey, I want to know if anybody gets saved because that's why this is all here. You say, I don't think that's theologically correct. Well, don't tell me because I have a good time thinking about it, okay? <laughs> I, I, I just believe this, Brother Steins. I believe, I believe just like I look in the windows of those cars, I believe on Sunday morning when, when the junior church preacher gives the invitation in junior church, I believe the angels are saying, look yonder. There it is again. There's a little boy. His mama, he don't know who his daddy is. His mama brings a different boyfriend home every Saturday night and he, he, he goes, to, goes to bed at night with a stench of marijuana in his nostrils and, and he's cussed at and cursed at and abused and mistreated. Hey, there he is. Hey, boys, looky here. Looky here. There comes another one right there. And there's rejoicing. The church. It's a big deal you're a part of right here tonight. This is the biggest deal in Granite Falls. I'm going to tell you that right now. 
I don't care the county fair, the rodeo. I don't care the crack house. I don't care. This is the biggest deal in this city right here. It's the local church bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you got saved and got baptized or transferred your letter here or made your statement of faith, hey, you became a part of a local a local New Testament Bible-believing Baptist church. That's a big deal. Don't you walk around this town second-rate, second-class, embarrassed. This is a big deal. Angels would love to get to be a part of something like this. They would like to experience my salvation. They would like to... They would like to enroll in my sanctuary. Hey, I believe this. I believe the angels would like... I want to talk to you about relationships. I believe the angels would like to embrace my spouse. Now, I would let an angel do it, but you better not do it, bless God. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? What what do you mean? Uh, Luke chapter 20 and verse 34. Why don't you turn there? I want you to see this. We're going to hit this and move on to the last point and get you out of here. Luke chapter 20 and verse number... 34, let me find my way over there, I didn't plan on turning to it, but I want you to see it, Luke chapter 20, and verse number 34, and Jesus answering said unto them, the children of this world marry and are given in marriage, but they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, neither can they die anymore, listen to what it says, for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. And he goes on, and we're not going to go any further there. I feel sorry for angels. Can I tell you this? They don't, they don't enjoy the relationships that we enjoy. This summer, my wife and I celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary. She ought to, have a, she ought to get a medal. She ought to get a trophy. <laughs> Our 30th wedding anniversary. This summer I went to my son's wedding and I, Matthew, I couldn't help but think about 30 years ago. I was in his shoes. I, he's 23, I was 23. And I remember, I remember those early days. I remember, I remember wrecking our car on our honeymoon. And I remember her losing the diamond out of her diamond ring. And I remember us scraping by and trying to pay the bills. And, and man, I mean, if anything went wrong, we were in trouble. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it, it, you know, I'm a little older now. My kids are pretty much out of my hair. And, 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 and my expenses are a little lower now in some ways than, than they were. It's just her and I. And, but, you know, if something happens now, I can usually get my hands on a little bit of money somewhere. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not wealthy, but I, I got a home equity line, baby. I can max that puppy out if I need to. And, you know what I'm saying? We, we, we've got a little something. But I remember those days, man, we didn't have anything. I was such a hypocrite. The, my two daughters, when their, when their, when their uh, boyfriends called to ask me if they could marry my daughters, I asked both of them. I said, well, how much money do you have? I'm glad her daddy didn't ask me. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I didn't have a dime. I, did, I had nothing. My parents gave me that car that we totaled. We, we, I graduated the end of May. We got married in the middle of July. They gave me that car for college graduation. Six weeks later, we totaled it. 
I had that car. I had that $150 a month apartment that that lady let us rent, and, and, and we didn't have anything. I had to work for five weeks from graduation to wedding to have enough money to go to Gatlinburg for a honeymoon. We had nothing. And I remember how excited I Now I've got two daughters who are both expecting. They both went to the, one went to the doctor yesterday, one went to the doctor today, and they both sent me pictures, the ultrasound pictures. They both look just like their grandpa. I can already tell. I mean, it's just. I mean, all really, you can already see it. And, uh, and, and I think. I, I, think, I think about how God gave me those children. I was coming in tonight, and there was a song playing on the CD, and, 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 and a guy was singing, when I, I think about my life, my children, and my wife, I'm so thankful for all that he has given me. And I think about, I think about my wife back home tonight. She's at church, but she sent me a text, I'm praying for you tonight, and I appreciate so much that I feel sorry. I feel sorry for the angels. They don't know the joy. Hey, don't take each other for granted. Don't, hey, hey, don't take your children for granted. But children, don't take your parents for granted. God has given us something called a family and relationships and brothers and sisters and brothers and sisters in Christ. What a privilege it is. God's been so good to us. I think about some of these widow ladies. We, I had a funeral two months ago for Chris Oakley. He was, he's my age. He's 53. He'd been sick for years. He was a drug addict before he got saved, and his kidneys failed him 20 years ago. He lived the last 15 or 20 years on dialysis. And he used to tell me, he'd say, Brother Rick, he and I used to play ball together when he was healthy and I was younger. <laughs> and he would say... Uh, He'd say, Brother Rick, you just, pray I can, you just pray I can live to see my kids graduate from high school. And they both did. And I think about his wife, Hazel. And I think about how for the last five years he was very sick and she just gave herself to taking care of her husband. He got, because of all the dialysis, he got some kind of disease and his skin just turned hard and cracked. And I think about how she would care for him and, and love him. And, and I think about angels. Angels never get to know that. Don't, don't, take, don't take for granted what God's done for you. We have what angels want. They would love to experience our salvation. They would love to enroll in our sanctuary. They would love to embrace our spouse and have the relationships that we have. And then the last thing... I think the angels would like to endure my situations. You see, angels don't have bodies. They're not flesh and blood. Okay. You say, well, why is that a, why is that a blessing? I'm going to tell you. This body, it causes a lot of problems for us. It causes a lot of problems for us. I mentioned that a while ago. January, uh, last night, January, I, I had those blood clots come in my lungs. And man, I... It scared me. I mean, I, I thought I was healthy and thought everything was good. And all of a sudden, man, I'm in the emergency room and they're pick, sticking needles in me. And, and, and it, we, we just, our bodies create major, major problems for us. We get sick. We get old. We can't do what we used to be able to do. You know, I've got a, I've got a, a 35-year-old mind and a 53-year-old body. 
I mean, I, I, see, I see our teenagers out there playing ball. I want to go out there and play. I think I can until I try. I was talking to a preacher the other day. He said, I went out and he said, I threw a football from here to that wall. He said, I think I tore something in my shoulder. He said, we, we got these old bodies. Angels don't, they don't have that. Well, you say, well, man, I'm listening to you, Brother Finley, but it doesn't sound like a blessing. I mean, you're talking about your body and, and it breaks down, it gives up, it gets sick and problems and age. And, but can I tell you something? When I'm weak, he's strong. Paul came to God and he said, he said, God, I got this thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was, but he said, I got this thorn in the flesh. He said, God, please take it away. I, 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 I could be a better preacher if you'd take this away. Would you please take it away? And you know the answer. The Lord came back. He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength, is made perfect in your weakness. Do you know what happens because we have this body of flesh? We get to see the power of God. I mean, we try to preach a sermon and we, 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 we fail and fall and falter and stutter and stammer and all of a sudden God begins to work in people's hearts and folks get saved and saved people get challenged and, and and good things happen and and, and we man I, I look at i look at my outline sometime brother steins and i'll come out on a sunday morning and i'll get I'll, I'll look at that and i'll say that's the most pitiful excuse for a sermon i've ever seen in all my life my wife sometime she asked me sunday she said she said uh, are you done are you done with your match or, or no saturday she said are you ready for tomorrow and i said yeah i think i'm ready i said but i'm not happy with it i don't know if you ever do that i said yeah i'm ready but It's pitiful. Can I tell you this? More often than not, the ones I thought were the sorriest God used in the greatest way because it's not about us. It's about Him. And as we get older, and I preached a message here probably the first time I ever came with that blind man. He was born blind in John uh, chapter Four, I think, somewhere over in the book of John. And, 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 and the disciples came to Jesus and he, they said, Lord, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God might be made manifest in him. God said, I'm going to do something with that man that I would not have been able to do had he not been weak, had he not been blind, had he not been needy, but because of his dire circumstances, I can do something And people will be amazed at my power. Angels don't get to do that. Hey, tonight, if you feel like you just can't go on anymore, God can can bring you through. How many times... Have I knelt before God and said, God, I, I don't think I can do this, Lord. I, I, I don't even think I can walk in the pulpit today. God, I, 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 I'm such a pitiful excuse for a Christian. I'm a, an embarrassment to you as your child. And so many times God has said, let me help you, son. That's what I want. I want to help you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to use you. Angels never know that. I don't know what you're going through tonight. But I can tell you something, you've got some things that angels would love to have.
Don't, don't take your salvation for granted. Don't take your church for granted. You say, well, this ain't no perfect church. No, because you're here. No, it's not a perfect church. Do you realize, do you realize how many people would give anything to get to be a part of something like this? Hey, let me tell you this. If the unsaved people in this county understood, they would give anything to be a part of something like this. Don't, don't get upset with them. They don't get it. They can't understand. The natural mind cannot understand things of the Spirit of God. I read a story recently that really spoke to my heart. It was a story of Abe Lincoln. This afternoon I went online and checked it out again because I... I I, I didn't want to tell you something that wasn't true. Abraham Lincoln, I want to read. A- Abraham Lincoln, we look back now and we know that he was a great, great man and a great president. But when he was in his presidency, he was probably under more scrutiny and more attack than any man who's ever occupied the White House. We got one giving him a close second race, second in the race right now, I think. But, but, but at that time, I mean, no. Let me read you something I read today. Lincoln has made a fool of himself, and has mortified and shamed the intelligent people of this great nation. People now marvel how it came to pass that Mr. Lincoln should have been elected as the representative man of any party. His weak, wishy-washy, mamby-pamby efforts. He is, he is imbecile in matter, disgusting in manner. It has made us the laughing stock of the whole world. The European powers will despise us because we have, we, we, I can't even read my own writing. We have no better uh, man to elect as a president. That, that was not some guy on the street corner. That was one of the leading newspapers in his day. Of course, we all know Lincoln was assassinated, and there, there was a documentary. You can look it up. There was a documentary that, that um, PBS, Public Broadcasting System, did a story on the contents in Lincoln's pocket when he was the night he died. There was a, a handkerchief, a little white handkerchief that had his initials embroidered on it. There was a pocket knife. I saw a picture of it today. There was a pair of spectacles, they called them, and a, and a spectacle case with a string wrapped around it to keep it from opening up. There was a $5 bill, and there were nine newspaper clippings. Yellowed, tattered, torn newspaper clippings. They were in his pocket the night he was assassinated. True story. Every single one of those newspaper clippings talked about what a great man he was, what a powerful president he was, how he was trying his best to do what he thought was right for the United States. And the story I read said that you could almost see Abraham Lincoln sitting by an oil lamp in the Oval Office late at night reading those newspaper articles, trying to get enough confidence 
to do his job the next day. Because everybody around was telling him what a loser he was. And they said you could almost envision Lincoln sitting and the light flickering as he read the accolades, though they were very rare, of his presidency. Do you know what? Most of you, nobody's ever written an article about you. And sometimes you may look at your life and you may say, you know what, I ain't much good for nothing. And you may feel like you're failing in your marriage and failing as a parent and failing as a Christian and failing. And you don't have nine newspaper articles that you can read to try to bolster your confidence so that you can go try to live another day. But can I tell you what you do have? You have a cross. There's a cross. And what that cross says is that you were worth it to God. What that cross says is He thought you were important enough that He gave His Son to die for you. What that cross says is you don't have a problem tonight that because that Savior who hung on that cross three days later came out of that tomb and you don't have a problem tonight that God can't fix. There is not a question that God can't answer. There's no problem that God can't solve. Quit looking for some newspaper article and look to the cross and realize, you know what? I am one blessed person. God's been good to me. Father, I pray you'd help us tonight.